1: I had already sought to ruin the faith of a young man that I worked with. I had already sought to ruin the faith with a young girl that I was dating. I had sought to ruin the faith of my brother and sister. I knew that was me. I'm not Mr. Bible Guy at any point in time, but I know these things are so. I was out for myself. I didn't care what, how I ruined other people's lives. I just didn't care.
0: Today, we will hear a personal testimony from Pastor Jim as he shares his heart and the way God spoke to him at the ocean's edge 25 years ago. It was a long journey, but God continued to pursue him. The war that waged for his soul was evident as Pastor Jim stood at the ocean that day. He realized he couldn't get to heaven on his own. God gave him a new life filled with hope and the power to make a difference. No matter how far we run from God, He will never stop pursuing us. Now let's open our Bibles and join Pastor Jim for part three of his message entitled, One Salty Day, The Day I Died and Came to Life. We'll have more information about the church and how you can get a copy of today's message. But for now, here's Pastor Jim.
1: You know, I had to go tell all the people after I became a Christian that I couldn't pay them off anymore. I had so many things that I had to fix and start paying taxes, and it was just so many things to do. But I sensed this voice say to me, Put it back. Put it back. And as I began to heave it out into the ocean, I couldn't believe I was doing it. I couldn't believe that I wasn't just doing what I thought was the right thing for me. Well, it started to get late. The last ferry was leaving in another hour or two. And uh, I had been reading all day and I came to Jesus' teaching that we have here in front of us. And it's hard to explain what happened next. And it's very emotional for me. Look at... Mark chapter 9, verse 42. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, that was me. I had already sought to ruin the faith of a young man that I worked with. I had already sought to ruin the faith with a young girl that I was dating. I had sought to ruin the faith of my brother and sister. I knew that was me. I'm not Mr. Bible guy at any point in time, but I know these things are so. I was out for myself. I didn't care what, how I ruined other people's lives. I just didn't care. Again, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him, and I read it, it would be better for me, if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Now, mind you, I'm sitting in front of the sea, then Jesus got really personal with me. Verse 43, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed rather than having two hands to go to hell and into fire that shall never be quenched, where their worm does not die and their fire is not quenched. Now, I had no idea what the worm meant, but I knew I was one. Verse 45, and if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than having two feet than to be cast into hell into the fire that shall never be quenched where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire where their worm does not die and their fire is not quenched. and time froze i sat there a worldly success a good person in the eyes of the world someone who many fathers and mothers was telling their daughters what a good catch i was and i knew i was going to hell I knew it. I realized it was not being good by the world's standards. It wasn't being good by my standards. It was about being a sinner by God's standards. And I sat there on that beach, totally guilty before God. In that moment, my eternal destiny, something I had completely ignored for my whole life, just assuming, hey, I'm good, I'm going to heaven, what's the big deal? My eternal destiny was staring me right in the face. Then verse 49, for everyone will be seasoned with fire and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. I had no idea what that meant. And to be honest with you, neither do most Bible scholars. It's one of the toughest verses in the Gospels. And then verse 50, which is also considered one of the toughest verses, poorly understood by me, jumped off the page at me. Jesus says, salt is good. Now, I'm sitting there in front of the ocean, I'm thinking like, yeah, salt, it's good. I'm enjoying the salt there, it's good. But realize I know I'm going to hell. Salt is good and I began to think, yeah, but am I good? And then he says this. But if salt loses its flavor, I'm stopping at every couple words. God, do I have no flavor in your eyes? Am I, am I, am I nothing? In your eyes? And then the five words that did it. Jesus says, how will you season it? And my answer was simply, I can't. I can't. I can't do it. I can do everything this world says I need to do. I can have the accolades of my friends and, and and admiration of people. And I can go to business meetings where people, you know, they wait on me and serve me coffee and can I get you something and anything you need and and, and stuff like that. But I knew I couldn't make myself salty in God's eyes. And then I said, God, have mercy on my soul. I'd come to the end of myself, I realized as so many of you have, that I couldn't get myself into this world and I certainly can't get myself out of this world. I didn't place myself in the United States and I certainly can't place myself in heaven. Now, those of you who have been to the Caribbean, some of you I know are raised there, you know that fierce storms can come in quickly, right? Right? And it had been this beautiful, beautiful day, and I didn't really notice the skies in the distance as I sat there, and people started yelling, get off the beach, get off the beach, and and pointing up to the sky. I guess I read the rest of the verse. The rest of the verse says, or maybe it's because I'm a Bible teacher and I have to read the rest of the verse, I don't know. It says, have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. Well, how in the world could I have salt in myself? And then a connection was made between somehow between me and whatever, the ocean or God, I don't know what it was, that I'm standing in front of salt. Then I sensed that the Lord wanted me to get into the water in a lightning storm. Do not try this at home. So I, I walked out into the water. The wind is just picking up. I am not a person prone to visions, but I just had this stunning vision of going in that water. You ever see the Lord of the Rings when he goes under the water and there's all those dead people coming at him? I had this similar thing, this this vision of if I went under that water of sharks and sea monsters and and just devouring me which i know now was a was a battle for my soul that's why i know some of the battle that some of you guys go through it's still raw to me i know that that some of you you're this close to heaven you're this close and it's just that last bit of trust that last bit of knowing that God has taken all the craziness of your life and brought it all together to some moment, and you're this close, and you're like, I just can't pull the trigger. I, I just can't do it. I know you wonder, what will happen to me if I, if I trust the Lord? What will happen if I start coming to church on Sunday mornings and stop working on Sunday mornings? Is he going to let me starve? What's going to happen What's he going to change in my life? So I'm standing there in the water. The thunder and lightning is in the wind. And these people are yelling at me. They're like, get out of the water, you idiot. And this still voice was in my soul in the midst of that storm. I don't know whether it was God or not, but I just got this sense of, just trust me now and go under the water. Face the monsters, face the fears, face the, the, the sea serpents, face the sharks, whatever it is that's, that, that you're afraid of, just, just do it, I'll be with you. And at that moment, a guy who never really did much of what his conscience said did it. I went under the water. And I didn't care at that moment whether I lived or I died. I really didn't care whether I got struck by lightning or not. But that day, both happened. In the water, I died. And in the water, I came to life. And as God is my witness, the guy who went in the water never came out. All the things that defined my life before just didn't seem to matter anymore. I had become what the Bible calls a new creation. I walked out of that water. People are still yelling at me like I'm this crazy idiot. I'm not denying I am. This crazy storm is like all over now. This was this one family on the beach that was yelling at me, this crazy storm. I run up to my blanket and my towel, and what do you think is sitting there? The shell that I threw back in the water. So I picked that baby up, and I threw it in my knapsack. <laughs> <laughs> so I ran to where the shuttle bus was. And the family that was trying to save my life, they're there, husband, wife, a couple little kids, I look at the father, I'm like, what's the matter? He goes, We missed the last shuttle bus. We're not going to make the ferry. We're going to be stuck out here. And seriously, I'm like, Don't worry, God will get us a ride. (laughs) Like all of a sudden, I'm Moses. (laughs) So it's pouring, and this truck comes down the hill. I run out and I step in front of the truck. I'm like, Stop. And I go to the guy and his girlfriend, I said, You're giving us a ride to the ferry. And they're like, get in. And I realized that I am taking this family into this truck with the Manson family. <laughs> they're these bizarre people. So we, we make the ferry, we get off, and it is raining so hard when we get off. So I walk over to my little scooter, and I said, "The heck with the concierge, I'm taking the dangerous way home. <laughs> now my wife would say I could never go the same way twice. Still true today, I guess. So I drive through this area, which was just a poor area. They seem like nice enough people to me. I am so full of joy, but I know no Christian songs. I'm like singing Bob Marley songs as I'm going through through this area. And these people are yelling at me. They're like, white boy, get out of here. White boy, get out of here. Right? The drug dealers are like, what you want, man? What you want, man? And I'm just driving through and whizzing through this thing. But I'm so full of joy now. And really, I didn't even understand what happened to me. So my vacation ended. I I took the plane home. And what changed in my life? Everything. Everything. One of my roommates said to me, same name, same address, same social security number. Everything else, very different. Now, some things changed quickly. I never partied again. I stopped the carousing. I I stopped all that stuff. Other things, hey, listen, they're slow. Sometimes God's grace is slow. Slow, okay? But I did know that all things were, as the Bible says, new. One of the things people ask me often is, um, do you have any regrets about the way you used to be? Yes, I do. I have a lot of regrets about it. A lot of regrets about it. But not guilt and not shame. Jesus Christ took away my guilt and my shame. And I know that I'm forgiven. But let me tell you something else that I struggled with my whole life, and I don't know why, because I came from really a fairly stable family, as much as any family can be stable, right? I always struggled with sensing that I was loved. I always did. I had no problem with God forgiving me. I could understand how he could forgive me, but I really couldn't understand how God could love me. And that was a huge change for me. As I began to understand that God loved me in this way, not by what my bank account was, not by how my business was doing. By the way, once I became a Christian and fixed everything, my business really started moving. But I realized that ultimately God's greatest blessing was seen on the cross. That he gave what was most valuable to him, his son. And his son died for me. And I sensed incredible love. Now, one thing people will ask me, so I'll have to save you this. I know some of you are like, well, what about the shell, man? Where's the shell? I don't even really know. I I know. I thought I gave it to the family who uh, invited me to church, although it could be in one of the boxes in my basement that's packed away or something like that. I don't even really know. It wasn't really that important to me. And interestingly enough, of all the things that I've had over my Christian walk for 25 years, there's only one thing that really, really meant a lot to me, and it was a Bible that I bought in 1929 that I had read cover to cover probably about seven or eight times, and that I took all kinds of notes in. It's got everything. It's got sticky notes from my kids, Daddy, we love you, and all kinds of stuff in it. And last year, either at one of the two pastors' conferences I went to, either in Maryland or in California, I lost it. And I tried to locate the people at the places if they found it and nobody could find it. And I thought, oh, well, I guess I don't need these crazy, goofy kind of things. You know, anyway, God, I, you know, I have your word hidden in my heart. And so uh, I, don't, I don't need to worry about that. That was last year. So this week, I've told a few of you that I talked uh, last week in a church about money, no nerves at all. Talked two weeks ago here about hell, no nerves at all. I was For the first time, really, since we started the church eight years ago, I was nervous about coming and talking about this here today. And I was like, God, man, if you could just help me through this week. The other day, a phone rang, and some guy goes, Hi, I'm in Georgia, and I got your Bible with your name in it and your phone number in it. Would you like it back? (laughs) I was like, oh, that's better than a shell, God. Thank you. (laughs) But it's been hard for me to believe that it's been 25 years. And I got to be honest with you, we almost went back to Trunk Bay Beach today, down to St. Thomas and then take the ferry over to St. John this week. But, you know, it seemed better today to be here and to share it with you guys. I do intend to go back there on Palm Sunday. You know, on Palm Sunday, they said, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Do you know what Hosanna means? Save we pray. Save we pray. I realized that there was people that were praying for my soul for years. My brother and sister's group, that kid, that family that brought me was praying for me. And if you have ever received anything from me in a text message or in a letter, you can bet At least one person has been praying for your soul, and that's me. Because if you don't know Jesus Christ, I won't touch anything with your name on it without praying for you, that God would do for you the same thing that he did for me. The reason I'm reluctant to share the story is that for most people, coming to faith is not like that. I was so stupid, right, that God had to really just whack me, literally, but I know for most of you, coming to faith is kind of a more gradual thing. And, and it's less popular. I think only they say about five or six people have those moments where they know exactly what it was. I mean, I came out of that water. I looked at my, my whatever I used to keep my timepiece. I think it was probably my beeper, right? And it was 5.20 p.m. Atlantic time. But most of us don't have that. And that's okay. The most important thing is that you come. There was absolutely nothing about me that was worth anything to God. Nothing. All I brought to him was a boatload of sin. But Jesus says, whoever will come to me, I will by no means cast out. If you simply do what I did that day, simply just turn to God and just say, I can't do it. I can't can't get myself to heaven. And put your trust in him. He's promised to save your soul. You know, I was brought up thinking that all good people go to heaven. I was brought up that most people were good. But if you read the Bible, that's simply not true. That day I remember reading this, Matthew 7, Matthew. Jesus says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, And broad is the way that leads to destruction. That's hell. And there are many who go in by it. So what does Jesus say? The gate to get into hell is like this. It is wide open. And that's the way most people choose to go. And Jesus said, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way, which leads to life. He's talking about eternal life. And there are few who find it. So, the gate to hell is wide. The gate to heaven is narrow because few find it. Friend, have you found it? Or to put it another way, has it found you? Will you come to Jesus? Interesting. Jesus talks about the wide gate and the narrow gate and the gate to eternal life. He says, I am the gate. He's the good shepherd who watches over the gate to protect the sheep. And he promises if you come to him that he will not turn you away. Now I know that Jesus and the apostles clearly taught that heaven is the eternal destiny only for those who are saved by God's grace through faith. Only those who put their trust In Jesus Christ I know today for some of you God wants to offer you a new life God wants to offer you eternal life through his son the Lord Jesus Christ so you can echo the words of the psalmist this is the day the Lord has made salt is good But if it
0: loses its flavor, how will you season it? Friend, are you salty? Thank you for listening to Changed by Love Radio, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. We are excited that you joined us today and hope and pray that you will join us again next time as we continue to learn about Jesus verse by verse in the Gospel of Mark. If you would like a copy of today's message on CD, simply contact us at Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills at 973-659-3380. Keep in mind that we need today's date to ensure you get a copy of the correct teaching. You can also write us at Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Or send an email to info at changedbyloveradio.com. Don't worry if you haven't been able to write down all that information. Simply log on to www.changedbyloveradio.com. There, you'll find all the information to listen to this message again or receive your own copy. You can also securely give to help Changed by Love continue to share the good news of Jesus Christ. In the next edition of Changed by Love, Pastor Jim will continue teaching through the Gospel of Mark. Glance at the clock right now and please make plans to join us next time here on Changed by Love.